some old faces. Apparently, a lot of people have flown in from interstate just to hear me speak this morning. So, not, <laughs> but <laughs> so good to see some old faces here. Um, this morning, I want to I talk about a topic that I really love, which is history and um, how that relates to seasons, seasons in the world, seasons in the church, and how it relates to the current season that we're in um, because there's some upheaval going on in the world. And I, I get comfort from history because... Uh, when you're in the moment, you, it's hard to um, adjust sometimes, but when we look back over the span of things, we realise there's not much new in the world that's happened, be, it's happened before. And, uh, but not every generation gets to experience these things. And so there's a lot, a lot of us that are experiencing things that we never thought would happen, but our parents went through it, or our grandparents went through it, or the early church went through it. It's, it's happened before. It's really comforting to know some of those stories. And I'll, I'll bring it down to what, um, what I think is what carries us and how we can adjust and actually thrive in the season. Um, so I want to tell a story. L- last year, a mate of mine uh, gave me... He was walking at gunpoint and he found a shell casing on the beach, a brass shell from a gun. And it was quite a big one, and he, he, uh, he was just visiting, and he said, oh, do you want it? And I said, yeah, yeah, I'll, I like guns and stuff. So um, I looked at it, and it, and it had 1942 on the back and 20 millimeter next to it. And I thought, that's an interest. that's a big, that's not, that's not pig shooting, that's big. So I did a bit of research, and I started diving into where that... Um, and had a letter next to it, and I, and I realised that the only th- only thing that was 20 millimetre back then was a Spitfire, the cannon on a Spitfire, which was what used to fly over Darwin during um, during the war, World War Two, and that uh, we're coming up for that anniversary actually in February with a Japanese bombing of Darwin in February 1942. But apparently, and then in 1943, in response to that, um, Spitfires were squadrons were dragged from England in a hurry to defend the North. And and I think Dale's grandfather flew in one of those squadrons. Great uncle, yeah. So um, it's amazing to hold this thing in your hand and think, 75 years ago, wherever it was. Um, this was the scene of a great conflict, a great battle. And, uh, like, in fact, after the bombing of Darwin, uh, there was just chaos and panic. People, people were throwing stuff in cars and just heading down the highway. Uh, they, there was mayhem because everyone thought, it's, the Japanese are coming. They're going to invade very soon. And it was... It, the disruption was extreme. You, you cannot imagine what that felt like, but it was um, uh, a season that, that, this, that our city experienced. And, um, and I relate that also to an old, my, my friend's parents who used to be in our church in, in Sydney, 
uh, would, they were Dutch, and he'd been through the war in, in, in Indonesia. And Indonesia used to be ruled by the Dutch for colonial powers, and he was a civil servant there of Frank. Um, but in church, he was always up the front making the most noise. He was in his 70s, but he made so much noise. He just worshipped like he had a reason to worship. And for a 70-year-old, and uh, or however old he was, <laughs> he, he's passed on now. But he was a civil servant, and he wrote a book about his time. And he said we, we, he, they had a great life in uh, Indonesia as a... Civil and, and the colonial powers. Yeah. They had servants, they had everything, they, um, they, they had money, they had big houses and cars and, and then the war came and they thought, oh, look, we'll, we'll defeat the Japanese. They're, they're, they're just a, a feeble little army. But before they knew it, Indonesia was, and Singapore and Indonesia was completely overrun and before he knew it, he was a prisoner of war in Changi Prison in uh, Singapore, and that life he knew within weeks completely ended. So uh, his book that he wrote was called The Sky Looked Down because he reflected his, uh, he reflected on how we never had the faintest idea that life could change that quickly, that I would go from having the high life to being a prisoner of war in Changi Prison. And, and not only Changi, he, he did the Burma Railway with the Australians, he did the whole railway all the way to the end, survived that, was put in a ship, sent to Japan to work in a factory, survived that, wasn't sunk by a US submarine, and the war ended for him in Japan when he, when he, he heard there was a big bang. They heard a big bang, and that was an atomic bomb. So Frank had a story to tell, and he knew Jesus, so he had a reason. He had perspective that none of us can barely, we can barely grasp the perspective he had about the goodness of God and coming through those seasons. So that's why history is such a balancing thing because it, 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 it takes us out of the moment and the, the, the panic of the moment and go, let's just see where we've been where, uh, and, and where it helps us to ground ourselves to where we're going. Um, so I, I want to relate it to uh, the disciples' walk with Jesus and in in before they realised what he was really on about. Um, and then how they, tra- that eventually they were able to grasp it and be transformed by that, um, what, what his death and resurrection actually meant for them and how that impacted on uh, their season of the growing in the early church. And it's been repeated all through history, actually, and we're, we're just, they're on looking, and we're just another chapter in that same story. So um, I, I'll start with a scripture like Haggai 2.7, which you might be familiar with. It just says, I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the, the desire of all nations, and I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. There's an absolute certainty that the Lord is at work and that he will fill uh, this temple. He will 
accomplished what he set out to do, which was bring many sons and daughters back to him. Um, but there's a shaking going on. Uh, however, the kingdom of God is not shakable. So as Hebrews 12 says that we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So through it all, the kingdom cannot be shaken. Civilizations can be shaken. Uh, whole, uh, yeah, whole kingdoms get shaken. They rise and fall, but the kingdom of God is not a physical kingdom. It's a, it's a kingdom that's within, and it doesn't, it, it, it's beyond shaking. Uh, so God had a purpose in the shaking, but for us, n- knowing that there's a shaking going on, and there's a shaking going on now, if you haven't noticed. We've had a few decades of ease, but now there's social and civil unrest and polarisation, and um, there's a loss of... Um, the peace that we used to have as a, as, a, as a nation and globally there's just, it's exploding. All the, you don't even have to be a prophet to know that there's geopolitical instability and 2024 could, could be a lot more unstable than 2023 if the Middle East blows up or, or whatever. There's um, so many unforeseen things happening. So there's a shaking going on and it's hard to be prepared for those things, to be honest. Like, um, you sometimes have to be in it to be, to find out what you're made of. But I don't want to be unprepared in the midst of a changing world scene. I don't. I, I want to grasp the new, look ahead and grasp these realities and see the opportunity and the invitation that's there. Um, and we need to be encouraged so that uh, we can adjust to these new realities and these seasons as they come. So uh, I want to read just a th- about a period of adjustment that the followers of Jesus had. And it's fr- uh, just reading from John chapter 6, 53 to 69. Actually, if you put the first slide up, Kevin, it's a bit of a reference to it. I'll read the whole thing. Uh, so starting at verse 50, yeah, 53. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever." These things he said in the synagogue, and he taught it in Capernaum. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? And I cannot blame them. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> I'll read on and come back to um, come back to that. So when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? 
What then if you, if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who would not believe and that they would betray him. And he said, therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by the Father. Then in verse 66, John 666, a very ominous verse. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So that Jesus it said that he was mighty in word and deed and he was com- compelling. Like, it was just people were mesmerised with his words. They, 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 even if they went to arrest him, they go, we, we, we can't. He's just, his, his presence is just so overwhelming. His words um, uh, uh, just cut to us and, and we were drawn to his love and his deeds are mighty. Like, he... That was the, there was an amazing attraction to him. But in this, this dialogue, the disciples are going, it just got weird. Like, it, it just got really weird. What, they had n- absolute zero grid, even though the, the Old Testament and, and it so much had alluded to the lamb and there was no grid for it, really. They, 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 they didn't grasp it until after, you know. So he's, when he's saying, you're to eat my flesh and drink my blood, they're just going, really? I would too. I, I kept, when I read that, I think, Lord, why didn't you unpack that a bit more? Like, <laughs> like they, they're going to, they're not going to get it, you know. Um, The point is, he, he, was, he was moving towards a point. He was moving towards a, a, a purpose. And uh, I think he just knew, you, you're just not going to get it. I'm just going to drop this one on you, okay? And, um, but what struck me was the 12, and Peter put words to it, um, they were just as weirded out by it as well. They go, we don't, we don't know what he's talking about here. This is just oh, too much. But they said, we have come to believe and know. So they'd had a revelatory experience of him that uh, was superior to their need to understand what was going on. So they were just left with nothing except the experience of knowing him and the trust that came with that um, because nothing else was in that moment was making sense. And uh, it's in fact the key to, to every season in our life and in the church's life and in the world's life is that 
revelatory relationship of knowing him and um, uh, for the seasons when you don't know anything else. You don't know anything else. Uh, and in fact, uh, if we move on to some how, that pro- how they journeyed into um, after the resurrection, after Pentecost, how they journeyed into the season, the, new, the early church, that that revelation actually became the core process that they had of just knowing him because it got even weirder. It got worse, you know, the, um, you know a, a little bit of um, persecution from the religious people when they were with Jesus escalated into um, many massive seasons of persecution. Uh, but, but they had, um, that revelation be, had got a hold of them to the degree that they um, didn't just hunker down in the fortress and become a, a, a one generational movement. They became this explosive church that, that the Father always said would be, that wouldn't be shaken and that would actually endure beyond all those civilizations and kingdoms. So I just want to look at the, the seasons that they then went through. If you want to put the next slide up, Kevin. I was just fascinated with, um, that's only about a 15-year period, but so much was packed into 15 years. And so after the confusion of the crucifixion, then Pentecost, and then there was a season of great favour and... Um, growth and it was just happy days like it was it was a, it just speaks about the heart the the life of the church and the, the giving and the selling and giving everything and it was just um, they got to just luxuriate if there's such a word they just got to soak up what it meant to be the um, the body of Christ and just living in power living in love uh, but then, uh, within a couple of years, uh, persecution rose up and Stephen was martyred. So one of the inner group, one of the core, you know, imagine it, one of our inner group um, offended people to the degree that they, they <laughs> dragged him out and stoned him to death. So I, I don't know what the next meeting would have been like, you know, the next Sunday meeting where you're just trying to... We've just, one of our number has just been dragged out and killed for, um, for, what, for believing what we believe. But because they had um, internalised that revelation that was superior to what they could see or hear and experience, that f- the fear didn't enter in and they were able to just move through um, and keep going. It, it, you think about just what a crazy, hectic season it would have been, yet they'd, they had this inner world of um, the presence of God, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit that, uh, that spoke a higher, a clearer message to them than what was happening around them and didn't deter them 
they even in great weakness, they still had the strength of the Holy Spirit and the presence um, to, to move on. So then Paul was saved. And um, then there was, you know, a, another season of peace and rest. So that season of, of immediate persecution ebbed and then they, they, uh, people were able to, you know, strength, strengthen themselves again and enjoy another season of peace. Then later James, uh, so many Gentiles were saved at, as a byproduct in that. Well, it was God's purpose in it, but nobody saw... There was another thing that nobody had any clue was going to happen. But in the midst of abiding, Father revealed that this, uh, even though he'd mentioned that we'd be a light to the Gentiles many times, they they didn't comprehend it. So that finally through the the conversion of Cornelius and the work of Paul, they're all able to go, wow. This gospel is for the Gentiles too, which was just mind-blowing. It was beyond anyone's comprehension that that would, uh, that would be in the purposes of God. So, th- it, so that was in the midst of that. Many, many things were birthed in that season, but that was uh, one of the things that was birthed, that they, they saw the, the purposes of God through all this. So that was a short period, 15 years, and... And I keep thinking back to the initial revelation that uh, we're not just following a good man, a, a philosopher, or a, a good teacher. Um, we've got we've got a, a saviour and a Lord who's who won't will not stop until he is fully and inhabited us by his spirit, and that we've become to, we've come to know him. Because short of that, uh, it's very hard to endure um, and to keep going. Um, you can be a real trooper, but that, that wasn't what he meant. He intended for us to be fully one with him and to abide. Abiding is the word that I love. So just going back to Peter's statement, I've written a few points that, it, it tra- for, for one thing, it transcended our understanding and our reason, which um, I like to know the reasons for things. I'm a bloke. I want to know how things work. Um, but he says that I'll do what's beyond your thinking and imagine, what, beyond what you can think or imagine. So he's got plans for me that, that um, big plans are in the... In, in the even in the small things that are beyond often what I can think or imagine. So if I limit myself to what I can think or imagine, then I've severely limited him. So I have to let go of the right to know what's going on, to understand what's happening. Much as I love to dig, dig in, I want to know what's, what's happening and why. I, that, you know, that's why I dug up that. When that, I had that bullet in my hand, I thought... I'm going to find out where it came from, who made it, and what might it, what gun it was fired from, and um, I want to know everything about it. So, but the the key is that it, that, that this relationship we have transcends it transcends my right to un- my reason because reason is just so inferior to being guided by the spirit. Yeah, you know, I just think of the the guy that what was his name, Anais, who 
the Spirit told him to go to open Paul's eyes, reason would not have um, led him there. It wouldn't have even put the idea in his head. Like they were all sitting around going, hey, maybe we, we should go down there and pray for him, see if he wants to see. Or like, nobody would have, that would not have been on anyone's agenda at all. But, but, but the guy leading of the Spirit was so superior to our logic that he just says, go here, do this, do this and this. And um, so, Lord, I, I want to be that loose with God. <laughs> I want to be. <laughs> I want to be. Because history just reveals to us that how often that is going, God's going, you, you wouldn't have thought of this. That's why... You just have to have an ear for what I want to do because you will never think of it. And my way is better. And it's, and it's more fun. So, um, yeah, so they placed no confidence in what they could see or hear. Um, like they took it in, but they weren't guided by the, the chatter and the chaos and what's happening and what the predictions are because there's plenty of that at the moment. Um, I don't put confidence in it. I don't put a lot of weight on it. And they prioritised abiding. And um, so maintaining the relationship is the priority, uh, our priority as believers, not keeping the rules, which is, I suppose, the fundamental difference between um, a religious life and the life of the saint is that the, you're a friend now, you're not a servant, so the, and you're a son and you're a daughter, so the priority is maintaining that relationship at all costs, um, which the, the Bible uses the word abiding, which is, is it's just the importance of, of making it and it's the most important thing to the Father as well, that your relationship with me matters above all else. The state of your heart and how that relates, how that translates into a relationship with me. So whatever I need to do, and we did it two weeks ago here at church, whatever I need to do to abide, that's a priority. And then from that place, the fourth point, is just obedience and reliance on the Holy Spirit. So it's, it's fun being led, but it's sometimes not fun um, when it takes you into uncomfortable places. Uh, but if you've been abiding and because we're grounded in trust, because we've got a good, good, good father, we can do the, um, the uncomfortable things because... We know it's going to have a good ending. Like if you didn't trust him, you wouldn't go there. So develop that trust through abiding. Their faith is built on trust and we only trust God because we know he's good. If we didn't think he was good, we wouldn't trust him and we wouldn't put our faith in him. But So work backwards. Get, get the goodness thing sorted out. He's a good, it's such a priority to him. I want you to know that I'm really good. You must be grounded in my character. Um... So I was going to touch, just touch on the fruit of all that, like this faith, hope, and love, which is 
God, I want that to be my, I want my life to be characterized by that in difficult times and good times. I want to be a person of faith. I love the testimony that it just, that Sam shared, it just bursts out of the community that um, knows the power of what faith, which is, it's more than miracles, but it's, You've got to believe that he's a supernatural God and that he's good. Um, and the hope that comes with that, which uh, I work in mental health, I work in suicide prevention, and we've got a, an epidemic of mental illness in our country amongst the youth and, uh, and amongst men. They're losing hope to the point where they, they don't want to live anymore. So hope is a commodity that we have and we cultivate uh, as a, as, and it's, a, it's an outflowing of this relationship that we have. Hope is, hope is amazing stuff. Um, it's, it sees ahead, with a, with, it looks ahead, hope looks ahead based on many things, but it looks ahead and love, which is the greatest of all, is the, and the, you know, it's the currency of heaven. So, love, um, which I suppose is primarily just the alignment with the nature of God, that, that he, is, he is love, and our abiding with him, we reflect, we reflect that, by becoming love and understanding what love is. And how sweet is that? It's not a bunch of rules. It's becoming like God and being more free to love and becoming love. So all those things, to me, they, they compel me to abide and draw me into abiding because that's how I sustain those things. But also from spending time abiding, which, which is just knowing Jesus, it produces faith, hope, and love. So it leads me into abiding, but it also produces it. And, and I find my rest there. And it's a pro, that's what a, a proactive rest. It's, it's not um, sitting with headphones, listening to swirly music. It's, it's, the, it's the end of my striving, and it's the... It's the um, it's, it's the discipline of being a son or a daughter, not a servant. It's, it's the discipline of staying in that, um, that relationship, which is, how good is that? Like, to have to discipline yourself to stay in the family and abide, because that's the sweet spot. That's where everything happens. So, I don't know if that conveys part of the, um, the nature of what we have that's going to carry us through ups and downs because I, I think one thing that's definitely disappearing in the landscape is the predictability of what's going to happen. So reason, like if someone wanted to create an investment portfolio for you today, they would have a lot of trouble telling you where to put your money because they just don't know. 
what's going to happen. Um, whether it's it, it, whether it's the cash, property, minerals, uh, <coughs> you just don't know. They because they cannot predict anymore the swirl of where things are going to go. They'll give it a go, but everything that I, I look back, even over the last five years, and no one predicted any of it. And um, so the predictability is going, and and it's freeing us, actually from a reliance on things that were good, but um, they've, they've got shortcomings in this season, so um, maybe they've always had shortcomings. But we're, it, the Lord's going, I just want to wean you off those things because um, you really can go walk in much shorter cycles with me, just daily trusting. You don't have to know what's going to happen um, years from now, actually. You, you, I want to. I want to. He's training us to walk um, with more obedience to the Spirit, and there's there's joy and freedom in that space instead of anxiety um, and anger, which are the the emotions that are being expressed in the world because of the changing, unsettling environments we're in. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of anxiety. Um, I don't want to partner with that. I don't rely on on the unpredictability of, of systems that uh, are going through upheaval. I want to be part of the, I want to be part of the, of the, I want to be in the joy team, actually. <laughs> I'm, I'm like the early church, they, they just got smashed and then they had high points and they just, it, we, we need, we, we're going to, he's training us to be unrockable, like unshakable, but not stoic and boring. Like, that's not the, that wasn't the point in hunkering, hunkering down. Like, it's, it's just being at another level. Like, God, I just want to be able to put my head up out of the clouds, see you, listen to what you're doing, find my rest there, and then, and then invest again in everything that's happening around me, no matter what. So, amen. Um, what I, I think I'd just like to pray for all you mob. And, um, yeah, just pray around that. Like, I haven't got a great big altar call. But um, that's right. You've all got communion down there? Did we give it out? I just get my trusty assistant to hand out the fine wine. Yeah. So the thing that weirded out the disciples. <laughs> we know what it meant. We know what he was on about. So... Everybody got one? Yeah, just let's just hear that ripping sound. Tear the top off. <laughs> oh, 
Anyway, I just want to pray and like you take it in your own time. Jesus, you said, you said you must do this thing and there was a reason for it, that you just didn't want people to like your teaching, uh, your purpose. Your purpose was to give your life and in your living, You've given that life to us. In your resurrection, you gave that life to us, Lord, that we would abide with you, that you would call us friends. You call us friends and that you invite us into the family, the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. You invite us in. You just don't want servants. You want sons and daughters. You want friends. And you've given, you've taken away everything every barrier to us knowing you and enjoying you and joining the family business. So, Lord, we thank you for your blood that has cleansed us from all unrighteousness. It makes us your sons and daughters. Um, and we thank you for, the, for your broken body, the bread that, that does the same thing. I think I got it back to front there. Lord, I just thank you that these elements, what they represent, and that we abide in you, we take it to ourselves and we remind ourselves and we celebrate that we are, uh, that we are in you, that you purchased us, that we are your sons and daughters and we get to enjoy um, the ups and the downs no matter what season we're in, no matter what season the world's in, we get, um, we've in, we're unstable. We've entered an unshakable kingdom, Lord. It's unshakable. We thank you, Lord. Amen.